God, we just thank you for this opportunity to, to hear your word. We thank you that your word is a seed and our heart is the soil. So will you prepare our hearts right now for that seed? We don't want to miss out on anything that you want to say to us, seed that you want to plant in our heart to produce a harvest and miracles you want to do in our life. We position ourselves with a desire to do your will and we submit to you now. We resist the devil. We thank you that he has to flee. We pray age protection around us and our children. We pray that in this hedge of protection, you, you do every miracle that our people need. We also pray that for everyone in this place who's without hope, that you'd knock on the door of their hearts and draw them unto yourself by your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone believe it's it? Amen. Awesome. You guys can take your seats. So good to have you in the house. And of course, we are excited. We've been doing our gratitude series and we're finishing our series today, but it's also our heart for the house. So you'll see these pledge cards under your chair. There's an envelope for people who have been praying and already know what they want to give. And then there's this uh, QR code, but we've been making the church aware of what our heart for the house is this year. And Table View, we of course are taking care of this building, being stewards of this building, and uh, not only the outside, inside paintwork, the air con, the social area, um, and, and of course we're overflowing um, into, we're also overflowing in, into the community of our, uh, our social justice, our health center, our, our feeding projects, and then of course also onto our missions work. So that's what our Heart for the House is going to this year. So at the end, I'll give you an opportunity to do that. Um, but yeah, I encourage everyone to, to pray about it, to, even if you go away today and pray about it, but light, um, many hands make light work and, and everyone can play a part. Yes, it might not all be equal giving, but it is equal sacrifice. We all decide to set aside time and pray and ask God to speak to us. And then the Christmas tickets, remember the 11th, get your ticket for yourself, your family, your friend, your work colleagues that you're inviting. You just have to put your name down at the, the red banner there and get your tickets, but the, the services are filling up. We'll, we'll put an update on social media this week, uh, but all four are filling up. And, and then remember that Camps Bay wants a different experience. This is a Christmas experience. Camps Bay is a sunset carols service. We'll have food stands. You can bring your own picnic. Um, that's on the 15th of Thursday evening. It's going to be amazing on Camps Bay High Fields. That's where our Camps Bay location meets. So don't miss out on that. You guys been enjoying the World Cup? Do you guys know that since the World Cup has began, Bafana has not lost the game? Anyway, so just things to celebrate. Didn't you guys know that? We, uh, anyway, I know we're not there, but we still are grateful. Okay. Who, is your team winning? Who are you supporting? Hey, Argentina over here. They finally, hey, they, they came back. Messi scored. I, let's see, I hope one of the goats win. Um, if, if Messi or Ronaldo win the World Cup, I think it'll be awesome. Uh, but, but I also, because I watch uh, Premier League football so much, I'm actually supporting, I wouldn't mind England winning, but, but clearly um, they struggled against the US. And, and France are... France are up there, um, and, and the Saudi Arabia team, I think those guys got cars, hey? hey they, Rolls, imagine what they're going to get if they win another game, you know what I mean? Like, um, so they, they'd be pumped. I heard that Argentina actually had major debt owing to Saudi Arabia, so that was the way they got out of debt. You, okay, you guys didn't know. Anyway, bad joke. So they were like crying in the field, but in the change room, like, yeah. But um, it's all strategic. Um, let's carry on with the message. Uh, but <laughs> we learned in the first week that, that the road we want to take, um, if we want to see our relationships get healthier, and our relationships at work, wherever we go, is the road of gratitude. 
Okay, if you want to see your marriage flourish, add some gratitude and see what happens. Expressing it, not just thinking it in your heart, because gratitude that's not expressed is not actually not gratitude. Well, deep down, I'm grateful. Well, no one knows. You know what I mean? You're going to have to tell someone, and gratitude that, that's real actually overflows. We also saw that um, it helps us. It's a key. We enter into God's presence, and, and God's enthroned on the praise of His people. So it's a key in our relationships. It's a key in our relationship with God and something that we should be practicing. Last week I looked at um, the truth that, that, that gratitude keeps your eyes on God and helps you to fulfill your purpose. But when we're ungrateful, we actually start comparing our lives. And Solomon shows us that, that when we are chasing after things, it's because of comparison. Um, we, um, we end up trying to run in someone else's race. And we spend ourselves on something we cannot sort of take hold of. And he, he says, it's like chasing after the wind. And really the question was, has anyone ever caught wind? No, we had a lot of it yesterday. Did you try to catch it? Someone might have you know, caught some good wind, king of the air, but, but, but you actually can't do anything with it. You're going to say, I'm holding wind. And when you start to run in somebody else's lane, you're actually running towards something you'll never grab hold of. And you end up seeing your life's a waste. Uh, but when you're grateful, you actually become content and you actually fulfill your purpose. So even after we learned that lesson, we realized that in our purpose, we can follow Christ and actually live lives where we actually are happy. Uh, we say it all the time, the happiest people have got great friends, great purpose. It's actually a secular study. We know happiest people are in relationship with God. They've got great friends, great purpose. That's why we, we have got view groups, inner circle, and dream team, where you actually can serve. But that's, oh, those are the happiest people. Uh, we see that God showed us the pattern for God so loved that he gave. And, and we see that this flows out an internal love, not an external pressure, but an internal love does cause us to become generous. And gratitude, of course, not only takes us back to the cross and to Jesus' feet, just even as we see in the leper story, where one was grateful and that gratitude, where did it lead him? Back to the feet of Jesus. Gratitude actually leads us back into God's presence. It also causes us to become grateful. We say, God, you clearly have blessed me. By your grace, you've changed my life. And I've been graced and I've been blessed to be a blessing. And you start to live a bigger life. The cool thing is if, as you are grateful and you start to be a blessing, Scripture says the world of the generous gets bigger and bigger and larger and larger. Uh, but the world of the stingy gets small. And, and you could have a lot of things but not be generous and, and be shocked by how small your world's got. Um, you could wake up and be all alone with all the wealth. But the, the world that you and I are looking for, the bigger world, is actually in the back end of generosity. And I've always I said that one of the things that have jumped out to me the last few years is if I was not here at this church and God said, go somewhere else. And when I got to that town, the first thing I'd want to do is find a church where I can give. And the reason why is because my girls, my wife and my girls need um, somebody who's big. <laughs> they don't need a small-minded person. They don't need a stingy person. And, and the key thing is for me to always be positioned and positioning their lives. And, and the best example I can give to them is a life that gives to God, loves God, that loves people, that overflows. A, a life that's positioned for more, always planning 
devising ways to be generous. And they, the scripture actually says a generous person, that's their position. They, they're actually always thinking of it. They, they're coming up with plans and clearly they're preparing their lives for more. Psalm 112, 5 to 6 says, God will come to those who are generous and, and lends freely. They will be remembered forever. Wow, I think that's incredible scripture. And, and we see that, that, that a generous life builds a life that really leaves a legacy. What's a legacy? Uh, things that you leave beyond yourself when you're not here. And, and we need to follow Christ's example and live lives that are beyond ourselves. And, and one of the ways is to be generous because we know that uh, moth and rust, you know, they can grab hold of things we just keep here on earth. But, but they can't touch things that we, that finances and treasures, time, our talent that we use for God to further his purpose. It's really been stored up in heaven um, and that's what we want to live. We want to live a life beyond ourselves. In, in Psalm, uh, Proverbs 11 verse 25 says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And that's why I've always said, if I moved and I went somewhere else, but I'm not planning to, I've been here, it's my 27th year in this church. My, my, dream, my goal is I want the privilege of serving this house all the days of my life. That's my, that's my, my prayer. I want to be in the church. But if I did go, the reason why is because a lot of people move and go, how can I be refreshed? Well, the generous person, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. I need to be a refreshing person to my family, to my friends, to my work colleagues. And, and one of the ways I stay refreshing is with an outward uh, looking mindset, a generous mindset, uh, devising uh, ways to be generous. That's the most refreshing attitude I can bring into my relationships. But when I'm always on the back foot and I get it, we can be fearful and, and small minded, I actually become draining. You know what I mean? Have you ever gone to uh, you know, a meal with somebody and you know they're about to tell you all the bad news they read the whole week? Um, but, but then you had that other person who, who's, who's always hoping for more, believing for more, generous and giving. And ger they're not there to be draining. And, and that's the thing. The those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Philippians 2, 12 to 13 says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the result of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. So that's quite a few instructions that he's giving him there about how they should act. Then he goes on to say, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So the apostles telling them, this is how you should live while I'm gone. But I'll remind you that you can't do it. It's God who does it in you. And actually, that scripture should be flipped. In the front end, it says, remember, God gives you the desire and the power to do what he wants you to do. So remember to do these things now. But let it be out of a relationship with God who does it in you. I want to encourage you to be living as a Christian from the inside out. For your focus to be on a God who can give you the desire and the power to do what he wants you to do. Not to be living from the outside in, gang. I want to, I have to, I know that's the right thing, but it's so hard. But to be in a place where God's touching your life and you're in a relationship with him that causes you to overflow. You know, nobody, no one wants to be in a marriage relationship and say, you know what, um, I don't, like, I don't really love you, like we, get, we, but I know it's the right thing to, to not dishonor you, so I'm not ever going to cheat on you. 
And some people are actually in a bad place. They think that's the same thing with Christianity, that it's, we should just be a church, it's the right thing to do. And the rule is if you sleep in a garage, does it make you a car? No. Just because you're in church doesn't make you a Christian. And just because you follow rules doesn't mean you're in a right relationship with God. A right relationship with God is a place of surrender and letting His love be poured into your life and realizing you can do nothing to receive it, that it's a free gift. You can't earn it, but if you ask for it and position it, He will change your life. And from that life change, you'll start to overflow and to do His work, He'll give you all the power. It's an inside-out work. So I have a desire that God is working in you. That's our goal. It's not for you to just be working on your Christian walk. Our goal is that you know God, so God's working in you, and you overflow in the things He has for you because you have the power and the desire. That's our desire for you. I understand that there's moments of obedience where God tells you to do it and it activates that life change. And you need to be obedient to it. But the main goal is that one day everyone in this room is in a vibrant relationship with Jesus. And Jesus is working from the inside out, giving you the desire and the power to do his will. And it's a great joy to you. It's not a burden. But if you're living the other way around, it will become a burden. I grew up with the burden. I grew up in a religious environment and I thought that I was a big disappointment to God and that if, that if I got saved, it would be, I'd be the biggest hypocrite because I was about to make a million more mistakes. That's how I felt. So I came to this church when I was 17 and I sat in the church for a whole year, never responded because I thought I'm just getting ready and one day when I'm ready, but guess what, I was never ready and I needed to realize that I will never will be ready, but Jesus is ready to forgive me and he's already done the work. The crazy thing is once I received him, he started to speak to me little by little and help me and my desire to, to serve him grew and then he gave me the power to do it. I'm not perfect, but I do serve a perfect savior who's gracious, he's forgiving, he's loving. And I don't say that so I abuse what he's done for me. I say that because once you open your life up to this awesome, powerful, loving savior, you too will have the, des power, the desire and the power to do what he wants you to do. That's what he does. He's an awesome father. So 1 John 4 verse 19 says, we love because he first loved us. That's the pattern, the healthiest pattern for any relationship. If you're single, if you want to get married, the best way to get ready for that is to let God love you and then you can love. But if you are looking for love with somebody else to fulfill you, you are high maintenance because they just need to have one bad day and you are going to all over their heads. I was going to say crap, but don't, don't, sorry. <laughs> there, I said it. In case I've left it open now, you think that it was I thinking another word, but maybe even that word I shouldn't say. But anyway, sorry about that. But if you let Christ love you first, his love's so full, you will be topped up and you will only have love to give. But when, you, you, when you're not filled with Christ's love, you're running on empty, and then you say, hey, you fulfill me. You say to them, hey, will you be my God? And they're gonna disappoint you because they're gonna be a very bad God. And they're gonna make a mistake, and you're gonna blame me. You were supposed to make me happy. 
<laughs> no, God fulfills you. The other people are blessings that you get to bless. So as a husband, as a spouse, best way is to let God love you and then you can love. So, so keep approaching God. Keep positioning yourself to experience the love of God. That's the number one step I encourage everyone to take. And that's the best step you'll take. Because if you are taking that step daily, you'll overflow into the purpose that God has for you. You'll be somebody who can build his kingdom. You can love your spouse. You can add value to your community, to your children. You can love them. And you can also be somebody who's living out your purpose. No strings attached. Why? Because you're getting all you need in Christ. Because he owns everything. Here's the thing. Even as we're speaking about that, that gratitude, the gratitude of who he is and what he's done overflows in generosity. When you think you did it, let's face it. Whenever you give, you just become a bit more grumpy. It's called grumpy giving. Because you think you're giving what's yours. But when you understand that everything comes from him, then you're just stewarding what's his. And there's this joy because he says, this is what I want you to overflow. And you're like, thank you for the privilege, God, because you gave it to me. If you think about it, my, my daughters, uh, my, uh, my youngest daughter invited uh, one of our neighbors to view rep. So we got to view rep and I heard her say, hey, we, we're gonna get some tuck shop. And she turns to me and says, Daddy, can I have some money for tuck shop? She, was, she, was, she knew where the funds came from. She, she, she tells her, you know, it was so funny. She tells her, and then she turns to me. And yes, we were hosting her, so I gave them all tuck shop money, both my girls and, and the neighbor, and they, they, they went. But, but, but she, she knew, and she said, thank you. And then with a great joy, she gave it to her. <laughs> Our neighbor. See, a lot of us think that it's ours. That, that it's, we, we actually forget that everything comes from our Father. And if we stay in that place, we'll be way happier people. Because we know that our Father's a good, loving Father and He's faithful. And if earthly parents give their children good gifts, how much more will your Father in heaven give you? He says the Holy Spirit if you ask. And, and you can overflow. But some people believe they need to do more to get to God. And so they, they say, that's their thought. I need to do more to get to God. They think if I perform a bit better, then God will finally love me. But people who understand that, that God already loves them, they receive the fact that Jesus has already done it. See, when you're, out, when you're approaching God for the wrong way, you say, I need to do more to get to God. But when you actually understand who he really is, you'll say he's already done it. You move from do to done. He's paid the price for my sin. He's proven how much he love, loves me. And scripture says there's nothing I can do to make God love me more or less. Right now, even if you're not in a relationship with God, God already loves you fully. It's your decision to open your life up to that love. And you know, when I did receive Jesus, I was... I actually received him just before I turned 19. My only regret I had was that I didn't receive him sooner. Because I never knew that it was never about me. It was always about the love that he showed us on the cross. Of course, if you are, are doing life from the wrong pattern, you are going to try to get God's approval. Or you're going to understand in a healthy place that he loves you. He already proved it on the cross. He loves you. You're the apple of his eye. And in that space, you can receive his love. Listen, let's face it, it's humbling. 
When we make mistakes and then God, we know that he still calls us son or daughter, that he's for us, not against us, that he, the same, he will pour out his grace in our life. That I, I feel humbled and I'm blown away. I wake up some days, like, I can't believe that I'm your son. And I can't believe I get to live this life for you. I can't believe that I get to, to do this for you. It's a great honor. And even in, um, as I'm in that place, I don't obey out of duty anymore. I obey God out of delight. It's my greatest delight to, to serve you. And this year, I, I, when I walk in here, I've been on staff for, this is my 22nd, I think, yeah, that is it, 22nd year, like my 20, 21st year, I think. I can't even remember anymore. But you know what I'd still feel like when I walk in? I still feel like the son that gets to do this. It's a privilege. And sometimes I think, how the heck did they let me do this? <laughs> but I feel like a son and I'm grateful. And I don't obey out of duty. I have a delight. I love serving God. And if I wasn't here, I would quickly want to find a place where I can give to Him and carry on living this life that delights in Him. See, see the thing is, when you're living in duty, you're going to do the minimum. But when you have a delight, you'll do the maximum. And, and that's my heart. I want to do all that God has for me. That's my desire. I don't want to miss out on anything he asks me. I want to be available for him to use me however he wants. If I'm in duty, it's going to end up leading to sin. But when I'm living in a place of the light, it always leads me to holiness. I see that this is a holy work and I need it. I've been set apart for it and I need to keep my life for what he has for me. When I'm, when I'm living in um, duty, then, then I just do what the job requires. But when I have a delight, I do what the Lord requires. And for me, I know the Lord requires for us to build his house, to love him and love people. Uh, when I'm in duty, I look at the natural gain, what's in it for me, but delight, I see the spiritual gain, that I'm building an eternal house over here. One day, I'm gonna get take people with me. And, and, and that's yeah, where I find great joy. See, I move from grace. I'm in grace now, I'm not in law anymore. Um, um, I've got an e internal motivation. I'm not an, it's not an external obligation. I get to, I don't just got to. I know it's bad English, but I get to. And I'm asking you, are you in that place? Have you lost your fire for Jesus? Have you maybe not positioned yourself in a loving relationship? And maybe this has become a task where God actually also wants to work in your life to overflow. There is a grace that God puts on your life to fulfill your destiny. There's a grace that God puts on your life. And we see in 2 Corinthians, and I'm gonna read it from verse one to 12. And now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. This is a grace. You see the word there? The grace that God put on this church. In the midst of very severe trial, a very severe trial, they're overflowing joy and the extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able to and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service the Lord's, uh, to the Lord's people. They exceeded our expectation. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by, um, then by the will of God also to us. And, and that's a pattern. It was first God, 
then overflowing to the people. It was first giving themselves to God, and, and in that position, they overflowed. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made um, had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. And Paul says that it's a grace thing to be generous. It's a grace on your life. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, uh, though he was rich, yet for you, your sake he became poor so that you so that you through his poverty might become rich. Now, of course, that's a picture of the cross. Him dying and then giving us forgiveness. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have a desire to do so. There again, there was a desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to, to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. And God only asks us to bring and honor him with what we have, not what we don't have. But here's the key thing. If the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. And that's where we want the church to be. If you are not in a place where you're willing, your next step is to draw close to God and let Him do a work inside of you so that you can also fulfill your destiny, that you can actually do what He wants you to do, so He can give you the, the, the desire and the power. We do not want you to get to a place where you're unwilling and thinking that you're in that spirit, your gift will be accepted. It's the willing heart that brings a gift that gets accepted. Do you understand that? If you are willing, then your next step is to bring the gift and to honor God. And yes, as a dream teamer with your time, your talent, and your treasure across our church. But if you're not there, then you understand your next step. Your next step, if you're not willing, is to get close to God so He can transform your life. So that you can one day wake up with a willing heart and experience the power to do what you're willing to do. But if you are willing, then take your next step. But we don't want to build a church where we're the unwilling and think that God's just going, I'm so glad. But it's the willing, if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. So, so what do people do to, to live in the grace of giving? Number one, when I'm grateful and not guilty. That's when I step into the grace of giving. When I'm grateful and not guilty guilty. See, when we are continuously living in a place of guilt, where we somehow think that we're guilty and we need to work our way to forgiveness, we actually will not position ourselves in that place where we're willing and we're available to serve God. But when we see that it's done, that He's paid the price for our sin, then we will be grateful. And that's what we need to keep our eyes on. We need to keep our eyes on the finished work of Christ. That's why I said gratitude takes you back to the cross, takes you back to Jesus' feet. But when we are in bad places, we move towards guilt. We look at how inadequate we are. But it was never about us. It was always about God. You and I need to stay grateful. We understand all good things come from God. Now, <clears throat> A few years ago, 
I played a soccer, I was, I was under 16, I played a trial, we played an Edgemead soccer club. I went there and it was a provincial trial. I remember playing it and then it, the, the, the coach then, uh, who was gonna be the coach was there on the first day. And I had a good trial. And then we, we had, everyone had, went to three trials. I remember playing the next two trials and um, I played terribly. I was thinking, oh my hand, I suck. And then after the third trial, they called out the name and I was first on the list. I got called out, I was, I was super happy. And then I asked the coach, because the, the, the other head coach who would run the team wasn't there. I asked his assistant, I said, I don't get it. I had a good trial, but I had two terrible trials. How did I make this team? He says, no, your name was on the list already after day one. They chose you on day one. And you know what I thought? If only I knew I was already chosen. I would have played totally differently on day two and three. We need to play chosen. We need to live chosen. We need to see that it's signed, sealed, delivered. God chose us. He paid for our sin. He's done the work. We're not trying to find approval. We are already approved. We're forgiven. And we have this joy of serving Him now for free. He's given us a free gift as freely as we receive. Now freely we give. And when we live in that place of forgiveness and that we've received it, we'll be grateful. And then when God calls us to partake in His work and to build His church and to serve people, there'll be a great joy, there'll be a grace on our life. But when we don't live in that place, we always think we're trying to prove ourselves to be accepted and there's a guilt on our life and we struggle to live in the grace that God has released for us. So we need to decide, I'm gonna live grateful and not guilty. How do we live in the grace of giving? When I love people the way God does. People are the only thing we get to take to heaven. It's not even a thing. People are, you can't take anything else. You can have all the money in the world. You still can only take people. You can uh, become famous. Oops. You still can only take people. And we love God by loving people. We serve God by serving people. You can't say I'm a Christian serving God and you're not in, you're in isolation. You're not, uh, that's not how you serve God. You can only serve God by serving people. And when we love people the way God does, you will find, you will position your life to be a grace giver. You'll see that you can use this wealth and the resources, your time, your talent, your treasure here on earth that can be stuck in the temporary for the eternal. And I've been in this church, like I said, for 27 years. I know there are people who went before me who built this church. We were in the small hall and they sacrificed. And I'm so grateful for them because I would never have heard the gospel like I did. I would never have grown up in this church like I did. And there are people who get it. They get it. They go, more people will get saved because of the work in this church. More people get saved because of the work that will go in social justice and missions. You know, the, the missions work in Zambia was birthed out of this church. Um, almost close to 20 years ago. You know, last year we broke 10,000 people in church on that mission. You know what I mean? It got birthed out of this church. Got, you know, and, and that's the thing. We understand that God loves people. And when we love people the way God loves people, we will always activate the grace of giving. And if we're going to be grace givers, the most important point, it happens when I fall in love with Jesus. 
That's how you become a grace giver. John 14 verse 15 says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Now, you might read it like this. If you love me, you will do what I told you to do. Or you might read it like this. Don't tell me you love me if you haven't been obeying my commands. But there's another way to read it, which is the correct way. It's simply as it says in Scripture. If you love me, comma, you'll obey my commands. A lot of us see, obey my commands. No, no, love me. Love me. Fall in love with me. Spend time with me. Worship God in the traffic as you walk along the beach. Get into His Word. Experience His love. Decide to fall more in love with God and you will obey His commands. And you will have the strength and you'll have the desire. You'll have the power to do all that God's called you to do. As you love Him, you will overflow. You'll start to live a significant life. You'll live a life of purpose. You'll live a life beyond the temporary. You'll start to live a life that impacts the eternal. That beyond your life, your life will be remembered for good and many people's lives will be changed. So if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Serve God. Build a relationship with Him. Don't follow just the rules. Serve God. It's all about your relationship with Jesus. I'm falling in love with you, God. The crazy thing is, in the Old Testament, they they wrote Scriptures on stone. But it says in the New Testament, God writes His law in your hearts. And He can transform you. He can put His Word into you. Just fall in love with Him. Psalm 160 verse 12, how can I repay the Lord for all His goodness to me? Come on, that's the Scriptures that will come out of our mouth as we fall in love with Him. Oh, you're so good. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14, for Christ's love compels us. I love this quote. If one first gives himself to the Lord, all other giving is easy. I know if you've ever felt like this, but I don't love God as much as so-and-so loves them. Have you ever felt like that? I used to think like that all the time. And this scripture actually has continuously guided me and freed me. Matthew 6 verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know what? I know and I felt it. I can easily pour my life into a hobby. You know, some people, I just need more purpose in my life. I'm going to start riding mountain bikes. Listen, enjoy riding mountain bikes. I'm going to start kite surfing. I'm going to, great, do it because you need to fill your tank. But sometimes we can spend all of our treasure. Has anyone ever bought a car and said goodnight to the car? You know what I mean? You open there. Hey, car, night. See you tomorrow morning. No response from the car. Like, not even like a bleep of the lights. You know what I mean? Like, well, why do we do that? Like, I was saying, I don't do that. Why do you do that? Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be. I've made a decision. I've got whenever I even sensed my heart drifting, I've made sure that God has my main treasure. He comes first in my life. He gets my time, my time. I do not want my heart to be in any other position. He needs to be on the throne of my heart. He gets my all. So we're going to end the service now. And you'll see under your seat, there's a heart for the house form. Some of you guys already have your form. 
you've really prayed about it. Again, there's two positions here, guys. Some people are ready and they're willing and that's awesome. Other people need to position themselves closer to Jesus so God could speak to them. Like they're going, I haven't been willing. I've actually maybe neglected my relationship with God. Doesn't mean I'm, I just need to, I've actually need to um, be, and there's probably a third area. Some people already know God's going, I want you to be obedient. I'm going to bring breakthrough. You can fill in this card and make your pledge. And I'm going to give you a minute or two. We're going to sing. You can make a pledge. We've got a QR code as well. Um, it'll be behind the seats and some of them will be on the seats. You can use that. And some people already know what they want to give. Here's an envelope you can use. But I'm going to ask them to um, sing. Leanne and I have already got our amount and we're super pumped. We had it for a month already and God just opened the door and we never ask you to do what we don't do. We do it with a great joy and try to lead in the area of giving. Uh, but I'm going to give you guys a minute to fill out your forms and then I'll tell, say when the bucks will go around. But you guys take a minute, fill that out. We're going to sing something. You can stay you seated. Could imagine so great a mercy What heart could fathom Such boundless grace The God of ages Stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame the cross has spoken i am forgiven the king of kings calls me his own beautiful savior i'm yours Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in bucks will come around. I'm going to quickly pray. Maybe you already have your heart for the house or whatever you're trusting God for. One, let's pray. You might want to hold whatever you're going to bring. Then the bucks will come around and we'll, after the bucks are around, you can stand and worship. But let's quickly pray. God, I just thank you for, uh, for uh, this opportunity, this privilege that we have. We thank you that every good gift comes from you and that you give us the grace and you give us the desire and the power to be part of building your kingdom. I pray that this giving, we'd see many lives changed, that, that we'd see thousands of people saved and in heaven because of this giving, that your church will be built in this community, that we'd overflow socially with social justice work in the community and in the city and also overflow into the nation of Zambia. Use this giving to bring a momentum to your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Bucks will come around. Remember for our new people, you can grab your first coffee at the Red Banner. We also got a soccer competition. We only had one guy last week get three, three shots into a circle, gives you a free cappuccino. Uh, so why don't you have a go at that and remember your Christmas tickets as well. God bless you guys.